Welcome to Lifelines Radio, a production of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Federation. With us today is Claire Caldwell, an abortion survivor. Welcome, Claire. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good that you're with us today. Now, can you tell me, how did you come to find out the circumstances of your birth? Well, I'm adopted, and uh, my sister is adopted as well. We grew up in this incredible home. Um, knew that our birth mothers could possibly be a part of our story one day, but we didn't know what that would look like, didn't know what we would find out when we met our birth mothers, but uh, we wanted to do that. And so my sister met her birth mother first, and she had this incredible experience meeting her birth mother. And so I thought, well, my my experience will, will go the same. It'll be this great connection. I'll get to thank this woman who gave me my life and my family and at first, you know, we met and, and things were great. We saw, you know, how much we looked alike, how much we acted alike. We had similar um, career choices and, and so many things. It was this incredible experience, our first meeting. And so we decided we wanted to continue our relationship. And it was our second meeting when I went to visit my birth mother uh, in the state I was born in Oklahoma and got to see where she grew up, where she lives now with her family. It was that meeting that changed my life. That's when I found out uh, what happened during my birth, before my birth. Uh, My birth mother, after I thanked her for giving me my life and my family, the things that I thought would be this, this open up this wonderful relationship, this wonderful conversation of redemption and hope and, and, um, you know, even forgiveness and love, uh, she broke down into tears and she said, Claire, I I didn't choose life for you. I actually had an abortion while I was pregnant with you. And when I went back to the doctor, they said, oops, you were pregnant with twins and we accidentally missed one of the babies. And that was me. And um, it made sense of a lot of things. I was born uh, at three pounds. I um, had a dislocated hip. I had club feet. I visited the Children's Crippled Hospital until I was 18. I've had a lifetime of uh, just physical complications and, and questions. And um, so it so it kind of opened up uh, or made sense of my questions for me. But I never imagined. I mean, that's the most shocking moment of my life as I, I heard those words from my birth mother. But um what left me speechless were, were not necessarily those words because it took a long time to go home and to process what that meant for me. But what changed my life in that moment was looking into my birth mother's eyes as she wept and she cried and, and she explained to me that nobody supported her. Nobody asked her what her choice would have been. And this was the, the most life-altering moment of her life and now mine um, as she shared these things with me. And so it, were, it was her, her tears uh, the look in her eye, the way she trembled and, and shook um, and apologized to me over and over and over again as she shared that my life was a miracle. Mm-hmm. Your life was indeed a miracle. Now, you've been sharing your story on various speaking platforms. Why did you decide to write a book? Well, I wanted people to be able to relate to someone like me. I mean, gosh, you never imagine that you'll wake up one day and realize that you survived an abortion. People think, 
you know, that really doesn't happen. That person is not someone like me. And I used to think that about the type of person who'd been affected by abortion. And I wanted to humanize that person, the type of person who's been affected by abortion, whether they've been affected in the way that I have, the way that my birth mother has, the way that um, millions of people across the world have different experiences with abortion, that they're people just like us, and they're people in our homes, in our families, in our churches, uh, in our schools, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And I wanted people to be able to realize that that's someone like me and you. And I also wanted people to understand um that I I chose to forgive my birth mother, Um, not because necessarily she or her mother who made these choices with her, they deserved my forgiveness, but because I knew um, just from my upbringing that God had forgiven me and that I could choose to forgive my birth mother so that she could begin to heal. And so I wanted that forgiveness, that healing, uh, the redemption in my story to be tangible uh, for people so that they could know that my story of forgiveness, healing, and redemption, that can be their story too. No matter how big and scary or complicated their mess or their circumstances are, that that's not what defines them. What defines them is what God says about them, and He is a God that wants hope and redemption, forgiveness uh, for every single one of us. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you're an introvert by nature. You're speaking I now am. on <laughs> it's hard to believe. You're speaking now on one of the most controversial topics of our time. What has that journey been like for you? Gosh, I, I remember the first time I, I spoke and I, I can tell you I fought it tooth and nail people when I finally decided to tell a few people my story and by a few I mean five or six. Um I they they encouraged me to start telling my story and I thought no there is no way I am an introvert I like to stay in my comfort zone I'd rather let somebody else do that maybe they can use my story but the first time I did it I I watched as these it was a high school group a, a youth group and I watched as I shared my story as it opened these kids' eyes, and they were able to humanize the issue of abortion through my story, through my life, through my humanity. Because when you look at my face, you're looking at my twin. So you're looking at the aborted baby. And I watched as it changed their life, and, and they were like, you know what, I can do something too. And so it's been incredible as I've been able to share my story. It's been scary. Um, definitely 100% out of my comfort zone, but I believe that I've been called to this, and so I do it. I, I am obedient to what God has asked me to do. Um, but it's also been, you know, hard because I have had to heal. I've had to navigate what my story, what um, the choices that were made for my birth mother have have done to me. I've had to navigate that publicly, and so that's been hard, especially when I go around the country and there are people who are saying that that my story is not true, that I shouldn't exist, that um, I should have been thrown in the dumpster with the rest of the baby body parts. I mean, these are all things that have been been said to me, directed at me and people like me who have also survived abortions. And so it's been hard, but I realized that my voice um, my experience is important in this conversation, and so I'll continue to share it. 
That is wonderful. What was it like for you growing up in an adoptive family? My experience with adoption has been incredible. I I tell people often that the way I was able to respond to my birth mother in that moment as I learned that I was unwanted, aborted, and rejected uh, was because of my parents, because of my experience with adoption, because I knew that circumstances didn't define me. I knew that in my home and in my relationship with God, because of how my parents raised me, that I was wanted, chosen, and loved. And so I stood on that truth that that was my solid ground when everything came crashing around me as I was learning uh, this this crazy twist to my life story. And so being adopted was absolutely incredible. Um, adoption is actually more normal in my family than being born biological. I have three children. Um, I married a single dad, and he had three children, and I've been blessed to be their mom. And um, my one daughter, who's nine years old, who's my only biological daughter, feels left out <laughs> because she doesn't have a birth mother. And um, my husband's adopted, my mother-in-law's adopted, my sister's adopted. And so it's an incredible thing. Um, I'm so thankful for the gift of adoption. As you mentioned, you survived an abortion, which took the life of your twin. What impact has that knowledge had on your life? I think it it just opened my eyes to the reality of, of abortion. This wasn't something I ever thought about. It wasn't something that I heard about in my home and my uh, family. I didn't know anyone who had personally been affected by abortion. I definitely didn't hear about abortion, about um grace and forgiveness and redemption uh, when unplanned pregnancies happen from the pulpit of my church. I, I never heard anything like it. And so for me personally, it just it humanized the reality of what is taking place in abortion clinics across the country, across the world, to little girls like my birth mother and to uh, women across the country, and not just women, but men and families. I mean, I look at my daughter and I think, gosh, she wouldn't be here if that abortion had successfully taken my life as it was meant to. And so it opened my eyes to the reality of the domino effect that abortion has on our culture. What challenges did you face in the midst of your own unexpected pregnancy? You know, I um, was navigating just the, just this new reality and, um, so I, I made choices maybe I wouldn't have made, and I became pregnant with my now husband and my my daughter who's nine that I just talked about, and so um, it was it was challenging just knowing that that I thought this would never happen to me, just like abortion. I thought this would never happen to me, but um, the reason I, I decided to share about my unplanned pregnancy in my book Survivor is because I wanted people to understand that I had what my birth mother didn't. And that was the support of my my family, my my parents, my husband, um, my friends in my life who told me, you know what, pregnancy is not a sin. This is a gift from God, and you can hold your head up high, and you can be grateful 
for this gift that he gave you, no matter the circumstances of how this life was created, this is something incredible. This is something that was, that was uh, planned by God and you can celebrate this. And so I think the drastic difference of, of my unplanned pregnancy and my birth mother's unplanned pregnancy is that I had the support that every single woman that is experiencing an unplanned pregnancy is looking for and longing for the support that will send them to a pregnancy resource center, that will send them to their church as a, as a safe place, that will send them to their family members as a community to uplift them and walk alongside them. Um, and, and that's what my birth mother didn't have, and that's what drove her to an abortion clinic at 13 years old. You're listening to Lifelines Radio, produced by JMJ Radio. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher. We are talking with Claire Colwell, an abortion survivor. Claire, how can churches do better in advocating for pregnant women and their children? I think that just just talking about it is so incredibly important. I, I talk to people all the time who have said, I didn't know that I could go to my church. I didn't know that there was grace and redemption because you know, purity culture is so prevalent in our, our churches, and that's important. Um, but we're not following up with that with, you know what, you're human, you're, you're a sinner, and sometimes these things happen. Sometimes we don't make the right choice, and if this happens, we're here for you. This is your safe place. You look at Planned Parenthood um, in the abortion industry, and you see that they're shouting from the rooftops that, we're here for you. We want to help you. This is your safe place. And so I think that churches and believers and families even should be having these conversations as uncomfortable as they are because um, that is how women and families will know that they are supported, that there's a place for them, that they're strong and capable of continuing a pregnancy and making either a parenting or an adoption plan. What brought you to the point where you began advocating for pro-life laws and public policy? It just kind of fell in my lap. I um, had been speaking for a while at Pregnancy Resource Center uh, fundraisers and organizations for organizations that were um, promoting a culture of life, that were providing resources to women, and I noticed that there was a need for testimonials like mine um, before state legislatures and even in Congress. And so um, I noticed that my, my story could humanize the unborn child um, because so often we're told that the, that the fetus is not human life. That, um, and so I, I just decided to do it. And I remember the first time I did it, it was in the state of Texas, and then I've done it dozens of times since then, um, in person and also providing written testimony, uh, these these lawmakers were, were sitting before me, and they were able to see the humanity of the unborn. They were able to see someone who was almost aborted but survived, and um, it definitely has an incredible effect on, on uh, which way they will lean and how they will create laws in their state and in in this country and across the world, and so I'll continue to use my story for that. It has occurred to me that the reason legal abortion continues is because of a lack of support and a shortage of love. To what extent do you think that is true? Absolutely. It's 100% true. Um, I think another uh, 
reason is apathy. People are too uncomfortable to talk about these things. And so, you know, you can, I I heard this a few weeks ago and it really stuck out to me. Someone uh, said you can walk on a college campus and ask where the nearest Planned Parenthood is or the nearest abortion clinic is. And 90% of people on that college campus can tell you exactly where it is. Um, But you ask them about their local pregnancy resource center and they don't know. And so I think we've got to to have the conversations, have the difficult conversations, but also be willing to be the people that say, you know what, I'm here. I'm ready to walk alongside you. I'm ready to provide you with resources. And if I can't, I'm going to find someone who will. And that's the great thing about pregnancy resource centers, adoption agencies, pro-life groups, uh, pro-life student groups on their campuses, is that they're providing these resources and they're having these incredible conversations that are changing and saving lives. What has been the reaction of pro-abortion activists to your story? Oh, they don't want to hear it. <laughs> my, you know, my um, my humanity, my my very existence, um, it tear down, it tears down their argument that um, the baby is not a, a human being deserving of love and care, and um, and so I think that that they can't they can't even handle it. They can't even look at me. Um, but so often I, you know, I look at them, they come and protest my events and they come and hold their signs and um, they're, they're so angry and they're so upset and they can't believe that I would be up there sharing my personal experience. And I look at them and I, I just feel sad for them because I truly believe that if, if you're going to scream from the rooftops that abortion is health care, that women need abortion, it's because something deep inside of you has been broken and has been hurt. And so often that is because these women and these men who are advocating for abortion um, have been hurt deeply by abortion in the same way that my birth mother has. And so I pray for them. I continue to share my story for them so that they can find the healing and the hope and the forgiveness that my birth mother and I have. If you had the chance to speak to the justices of the U.S. Supreme Court, what would you say? I think I would just share my story, honestly. I I think that my story um, speaks louder than any argument, any scientific research, any... um, Anything that I could say, I think that personal experience is what truly moves people. And and like I said earlier, if you look at my face, you're literally looking at my twin. You're looking at the aborted child. And I think um, that God gave me my story because that's all that needs to be said. And so that's what I would share with them. And I want to mention the fact that, unfortunately, um, President Biden has nominated a new justice to the U.S. Supreme Court who has defended pro-abortion groups in the past. And it appears as if she is not in line with a strict constructionist ruling of the U.S. Supreme Court Constitution, which would say that there is no right to abortion under the U.S. Constitution. And so I want to encourage our listeners please make it known that you object to this U.S. Supreme Court nominee by calling Senators Casey and Senators Toomey in Pennsylvania. Uh, Senator Casey's number is 202-224-6324. That's 202-224-6324. 
6324 to reach Senator Casey. Senator Toomey's number is 202-224-4254. That's 202-224-4254 to reach Senator Toomey. What is the message that you have to a woman facing an unexpected pregnancy, Claire? I think I just tell her what my birth mother longed to hear in her moment of crisis, um, and that's that you're supported. Um, you are strong. You are capable. You are worthy of of motherhood, of people walking alongside you, of resources that are available to you. And um, I, I would point her in the direction of those resources. Um, but more than resources, more than pregnancy resource centers, there are actual people um, in your town where you live who want to walk alongside you, who want to help you make the impossible possible. Whatever is standing in your way, um, there is someone that wants to help. And you're worthy. You're supported. What is your message for young people? Find your voice. Um, I think that you know, I was young. I was 21 years old when I met my birth mother, when I was given this story, this voice, and, and at first it shook. I, I was so incredibly scared. I was so incredibly shy, um, naturally an introvert, naturally someone who wanted to stay on the sidelines in my comfort zone. Um, but God had a plan, and so I think that every single young person that's listening today, I want you to know that God's plan is so much greater for you uh, than than any plan you could make, anything that you could ever imagine. I've certainly found that true about myself. And um, God wants to use you. There is a spot for you in this fight against abortion. Um, you are the next generation. You are the ones leading this fight. You are securing a pro-life um community, a pro-life culture for the rest of your life. And so your voice is the most important voice in the fight against abortion. And so I would just say, speak up, educate yourself, listen to stories like this one that I'm sharing today, like former, former abortion clinic workers, former abortionists, women who have had abortions who regret it, men who regret lost fatherhood. Equip yourself and be bold, knowing that you are on the right side of history. How can people find out more about you and your ministry? My website is Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E, Colwell, C-U-L-W-E-L-L.com. Um, you can request me as a speaker there. You can buy my book. I would encourage you to do so. Um, it is the best resource that I personally have to give you. Um, and you can watch lots of videos, share things on there. Um, everything you need is on my website. We do have a few minutes left, and I was wondering if you can talk about the fact that you have a connection to a famous person in the, in the pro-life world, which is Abby Johnson, the former director of Planned Parenthood, who um, decided to become pro-life after a dramatic turnaround. And can you talk about your friendship with Abby and your relationship with the movie Unplanned? I do. Abby's one of my best friends. I actually met her two weeks after she left her job at Planned Parenthood because I was uh, living in the town, College Station, Texas, uh, going to school to be a nurse. 
uh, when I met my birth mother, and right before I met my birth mother, I saw the people that were praying outside of this Planned Parenthood that Abby directed uh, for eight years. And I stopped and I asked them what they were doing. They told me. I had no idea that Planned Parenthood was an abortion clinic, but it was. And uh, they told me what they were doing. I thought it was great, but I thought I'll never do that. <laughs> I'll never, <laughs> never stand outside of an abortion clinic and pray. Uh, but then I met my birth mother a couple months later, and those are the people that I actually went back to. Uh, when I found out and asked them if they could use my story. And so the same people that helped Abby leave her job at Planned Parenthood, they uh, were the first ones that heard my story. Abby was there that day. She was one of the first people I told in that room uh, my story. And so we became instant friends. And gosh, I believe that God was protecting me in this moment um, because I had no idea what it meant. Uh, being 21 years old, someone that didn't watch the news, had no idea who Abby Johnson was. Um, I didn't know that she had participated in abortions for eight years. All I knew was that this group was was loving me and accepting me and wanting to hear my story and encouraging me to share it. And so she was one of my first four friends in the pro-life movement uh, that that first time that I, I shared my story. And so we've kind of grown up together. We've healed together in this pro-life fight. And um, she was my maid of honor in my wedding. She was there when uh, my daughter was born. And so we lived 10 minutes down the road from each other. And um, just a few years ago, I had the opportunity to take my birth mother to the behind-the-scenes filming of her movie Unplanned, and uh, this was actually being filmed in the town that my birth mother had her abortion, and my birth mother still lives 10 minutes down the road from where this filming took place, and so I brought my birth mother. We toured the abortion clinic, uh, the abortion room scene. Um, and so that was incredibly hard. My birth mother remembered the smells and, and the sounds and the, the instruments in that room, and she wept as we walked through there. Um, but afterwards, Abby played a very significant part in my birth mother's healing. Abby got up in front of all of us pro-life leaders that she invited to this behind-the-scenes filming, and she talked about um, the forgiveness of God and how God had redeemed her life, and he was using what was broken and evil in her life for something that was good. And my birth mother looked at me in that moment and she said, Claire, I wonder if God could forgive her. I wonder if he could forgive me. And so that moment, Abby Johnson played a huge role in my birth mother's healing uh, just a few years ago. And so she's one of my dearest, dearest friends. That's just an incredible story. I mean, I was blown away when I read that in your book. I, I didn't know beforehand the connections between you two. And um, it's, it's wonderful, the friendship that grew out of this strange connection that you had. Um, and I, I just think that that's a, a good lesson for us all. And I want to thank you, Claire, for joining us today. And thank you, the listeners, for joining us. We've been speaking with Claire Caldwell, an abortion survivor. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And remember, there is always a reason to choose life. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.